A few weeks ago, my son made that video to promote this series. And uh, I, I'm so thankful for his talent and the talent of our tech team and our, our music team. I was thinking about when I started in uh, ministry back in the day in the, in the 80s, um, when we did uh, song lyrics, we had, a, we had an overhead projector with clear transparencies, and that was cutting edge at the time. If uh, we didn't have these guys in our tech team and media team, <laughs> it was up to me, and it was left on me that we'd still be singing whatever, <laughs> over, oh Lord, help us. I'm doing a new series starting today called Your Life Depends on It. God wants all of us to live our lives in a manner where He can use us to be a blessing to encourage people and lift people up and help people out. He doesn't want us to live in darkness. <clears throat> he wants us to live in His light. And He has predetermined that we could live for the praise of His glory throughout our days. And He wants us to land at the end of our days in His definition of the winner's circle. But to do so will require you and I to have a passion and to be patient. It's going to require us to live by different principles that he so longs to share with us. It's a very disappointing time to be alive right now. Saddening, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. Foolish. God has a plan. And it's going to require the guidance of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of each one of us so we can know truth, we can live in light, and we can share His guidance. We're living in a day when what I'm about to share over the next month is not optional now. It's a must in order for us to fulfill God's purpose, to stay strong and to be spiritually solid, to overcome battles and lead others to Christ and through the fog of war. There are things that I have to reprioritize, and you do as well, and things that I need to invest in, and you do Two, and do it with a passion as if our life depends upon it. As the promo video shared with us, we have to prioritize listening, standing, praying, and giving. Our life depends on it. Today I want to start the series out focusing on this starting point, listening to God as if your life depends on it, because it does. Uh, I heard Dr. Charles Stanley back in the 80s use this psalm we're going to look at today in a series he titled, How to Listen to God. I heard it back in the 80s, and I still have it. I have it in my office. It's a master class on the subject. I, I don't know if the book is still in print. Probably not, sadly. I don't know if the audio is still available. I have it on cassette right down there next to my overhead projector. <laughs> I have it on cassette but I don't have a cassette player. 
Do they make them? I need one. I'm going to listen to this again. Um, I'll loan the cassette series out to you for a thousand bucks a week with a five thousand dollar down payment in case you fail to give it back to me. I've given out more books that have ever been returned. I'm not giving this one away. It's going to cost you. Uh, what I do pick up from the series, and this sermon is not the sermon notes from that series, but what I picked up from that series <clears throat> that I can hear right now is Charles Stanley's passion as he describes God's passion for his people regarding the importance of listening to him. And it's from Psalm 81, and we're going to start there today, so I think we have the verses that will pop up on the screen for you, and if not, if you have one of these, um, go there. Verse 5 says, I heard an unknown voice say, I removed the burden from their shoulders. Their hands were set free from the basket. In your distress, you called, and I rescued you. I answered you out of a thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Mirabah. Hear me, my people. I will warn you. If you would only listen to me, Israel, you shall have no foreign god among you. You shall not worship any god other than me. Why? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. If my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their punishment would last forever. But you would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. Would you pray with me? Wow. Lord, your Holy Spirit can help us grasp the passion of your heart as you emphasize to each one of us what is so important, your voice, the voice from the right hand who sits enthroned, the conquering lamb, the voice that comes from the bosom of the Father that he would not be unknown, but for those of us who have his spirit, would be able to listen, and others would listen, as if our life depends on it, because it does. In Jesus' name, help us today, amen. He's not the unknown voice to some of us. That doesn't mean we always hear him clearly. But to many, maybe you're listening, you are troubled right now. Something is speaking to your mind about the world and its chaos, its brokenness, and there seems to be no remedy among us. The unknown voice is the voice of God. I went back through Psalm 81 and I put my name in there. For instance, where I would just imagine God saying, Tim, I removed the burden from your shoulders. In your distress, you called and I rescued you. Hear me, Tim, and I will warn you. 
If you would only listen to me, Tim, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the bondage of sin. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. And I would not want this to be what he says about me in front of the cloud of great witnesses on the day of the end of days. But Tim would not listen to me. He would not submit to me. So I gave him over to his own stubborn heart to follow his own devices. If you would only listen to me, Tim. I can remember hearing Charles Stanley saying that he felt like God was saying, when he read this psalm, he was saying, oh, Charles, if you would just listen to me. And then he says, how quickly I would subdue your enemies and turn my hand against your foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. Friend, this is not talking about God going against the people we disagree with or we don't like or we want God to set straight. No, 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 no. This is a, this is a picture of him fighting the real enemy, the enemy of the heavenlies who pits people against people and politicians against politicians and parties against parties and nations against nations and families against families and fathers against sons. It's the enemy of our soul. How quickly I would punish him and fight him while I feed you. That's where we are. When I look at this psalm, it says this to me. Deliverance is the reason he claims my obedience because he brought me out of a bondage that he doesn't want me to return to. He gave his life on a cross for me and for you and for those that don't like you and me and those who don't like God. And in view of his mercy, devotion needs to be an ongoing conviction that I must continue to recreate in my heart, a devotion to listen he devoted himself to emancipate me by giving his life up in death. I'm not my own and you're not your own. We've been bought with a price. So he wants us to live in delight and be directed and continue to evolve in our deliverance for now and forever. That's his offer. That's his offer. But I have to listen as if my life depends on it. You know what? He's, he's speaking to all of us and he's saying, oh, if you would just listen to me. There are four common traits of the biggest winners and losers in life. They do or don't listen to God. They do or don't stand for God. They do and don't pray to God. They do and don't give to God. In the month of February, Lord willing, I'm going to start an expository series on the Gospel of Luke. Probably be still doing it when I'm 80-some years. No. But I, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about Jesus describing three foolish losers in the Gospel of Luke, and I named them these. One, the enough ain't enough guy from Luke 12, he's the guy whose fields prospered and he filled his barn with the, with the produce. And he said, what am I gonna do? I, I've, I've got to, I know what I'll do. I'll build a bigger barn and I'll say to myself, self, 
We've arrived. Let's just enjoy what we've got. And the Lord says to him, you fool. Tonight your soul is going to be required of you. You're going to die today. This is the enough ain't enough guy. And then there's the afraid God might want more guy. He's in Luke 19. He's one of those that gets a stewardship of talent and ability and opportunity from God. And he doesn't use it because he's afraid that if he says yes to the Lord, he's the guy that, like uh, at times in my life where, uh, where, where when, when you sing, have your own way, Lord, have your own way, and in your mind you're triggered about all the things you hope he doesn't want to have his own way that's different than your way. It's that guy, the afraid God might want more guy. He dies a fool, you wicked, foolish servant. Now Jesus said that. And then the blind by luxury guy. A guy who woke up every day and put on the best, dressed to the nines, living his best life now. He walks through the gate and there's a poor man out there, sores on his body and the dogs are licking. But you know, he's on by, what happens to him? He loses more than his reward. And in hell, this is Jesus, right? Three foolish losers, the blind by luxury guy. We'll get into that in Luke. All of them had this in common. They didn't listen to God. They'd all say, God, you didn't tell me to. He said, yeah, I was telling you, you just couldn't listen to me because you were enough ain't enough and afraid God might want more and I'm blinded by. It's scary to read those verses because I could see myself falling into those traps. I must listen to God as if my life depends upon it because it does. The difference between the winners and the losers are they don't or do listen to God. They don't or do stand for God. They don't or do pray to God and they don't or do give to God. How do you listen? Listening to God starts with my connection. My connection. Jesus is surrounded by the Pharisees and the experts of the law in John 10, and they have surrounded him for one reason. They're going to fact check him. They're going to watch him and scrutinize him, seeking to catch him in something he might say. And in the light of that context, Jesus describes people in the crowd who are different than they are. These guys know the Bible. These guys do church, they, are, they look the part, and Jesus says, but you're not my sheep. And out in the midst of this, there are people who are connected to me. How are they connected to me? They have a tight connection with me and my father, and this is how it starts. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own out, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Doesn't mention the Methodists, Lutherans, Pentecostals, Reformists, nonconformists, because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Let's unpack this thought about a tight connection, about listening to God, 
as if our lives depend upon it. It's a connection beginning with a call from Jesus. Uh, there's an old song of the early 80s and first, my first introduction to some of the Jesus People music by Steve Camp was his name. Um, and he did this song called Jesus Drawing Me All the Time. And he was talking about his life not making sense and being so out of whack. And, and then he says, it was Jesus drawing me all the time. It was Jesus drawing me all the time. He put an aching in my heart and a hunger in my soul. It was Jesus drawing me all the time. We don't want the voice of our shepherd to ever become an unknown voice again, do we? We don't want anybody to drown out his voice, do we? We've allowed it. I've allowed it. You've allowed it. It's a connection that begins with a call from Jesus, and it's a connection that grows by the Holy Spirit with my spirit. See, before you and I are born again of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is calling to us from the outside. But when we get born of the Holy Spirit, he lives on the inside. Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born of the Spirit. And no one can hear the voice of the shepherd king of the kingdom but by his spirit in their heart. It's a connection that starts with the call from Jesus. It's continued by the spirit of God in my spirit growing. It's a connection in his word, speaking to my spiritual ear. The proverb writer says the hearing ear and the seeing eye, both are gifts from God. His word is alive. And if I have a born again spirit, the author of the book lives in the house of my spirit. But with that said, Jesus said, be careful how you listen or who you listen to. Wow. This past week, shows what in other weeks and other years that's repeated cyclically, we can miss it bad. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, everybody out there listening to Jesus had ears. Some are bigger than others. It's not talking about those. It's talking about your spiritual ear. And then Jesus said, he who has will be given more, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be raptured away. You say, wait, wait, where's that? He didn't say rapture in that. No, you know what? It would be taken from him. It's the same word that Paul uses to describe when Jesus catches the church away. He said, if we don't treasure what we're hearing from God, there's someone who can come and rapture. There's a satanic rapture going on all the time when you and I are listening to the words of Jesus. It's a connection that expands from acting on what he says to me. We grow on the other side of go. There are things that evolve and get revealed to us that we become more in the know only after we expand 
what we've heard with action. We grow on the other side of go. Sadly, in America, in Europe, Asia, India, Africa, God is speaking. God is speaking to everyone, but not everybody's listening. The Bible tells us so. God is speaking through creation. It says in the Psalms, creation is sounding out. It's a nautical term. Sounding it out over the wall, just like going out there, like a ripple effect. When you look at the creation, Paul said his divine power, his nature is being revealed by what we see so that men and women, people are without excuse. God speaks through our conscience and our conscience can be a gift. Sometimes we can psychologically push away what our conscience is trying to say to us and God is trying to say through our conscience because it's too psychologically unsettling to face reality. I don't stand outside of that. I'm in that. Our conscience is a good gift unless we take it to the pawn shop for something less important. God speaks through Christians. There isn't a Christian that's Jesus, and there isn't a Christian that's an infallible spokesman from God, but in God's ideal, we are to be a witness of a resurrected king and a different kingdom and a kingdom that's coming and coming again. Ideally, we're to be a people that God, this is sad. Ideally, we're to be a people that God can speak to the world through. But we're not infallible, even at our best. But there are two infallible and certain voices. One is the canon of Scripture. God doesn't want us to take Bible bullets and use this as a canon. Canon means a correct measure. Uh, it means uh, a stamp of approval, integrity, certified. This Bible that's rightly divided and interpreted according to the context of the author is God speaking to the world. And the primary subject of this book is Jesus. Jesus Christ is God's final word to the world. The word became human and lived among us and we have seen his glory Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Here's the problem. Our spiritual ears can get clogged by crowd noise. Man. Our spiritual ears can get cluttered with words. Do you know what? If I had... I was going to say if I had a dime for every, I'd rather be richer than that. If I had a thousand bucks for every prophetic word that I've received from people since COVID-19 started in March, I'd be rich. (laughs) I'd have my car paid off. Words. Everybody, everybody has something to say. Spiritual ears can get clogged by cluttered words, even from Christians from carnal flooding. 
carnality, man-focused, all about man, and the nature of man, and, and our spiritual ears can get clogged by chaotic combat. Sometimes I feel like a bird's nest is in my head. Right? Do you? And then everything that happens, there's a this is that. Well, you know what's going on now? Well, you know what I think? You know what? I, I think a lot of things. Shh. We need to hear what the Lord is saying. How do we do that? I can't tell you what to do. And I don't know. I'm just a guy. But here's what I'm asking God to help me do. Here they are. Create a position before the Lord. Create a position before the Lord. The position is shut up. Still your soul. Listen. We're talking about a position in which it becomes easier to listen to God. I don't know about you, but here's what I think I need to do. I need to care about a continued passion being maintained. In other words, my passion, I should care about creatively keeping my passion to listen to Jesus. Jesus is the top priority in my life. I don't know about you, but here's what I need to do. I need to commit to a consistent practice of being where God speaks most often. Not a verse on this and then speculation. I mean, letting this thing read me. And finally, consider this as combat. And this combat is not with flesh and blood. Somebody else behind the scenes. I want to end this with two prayers that, I, that I'm praying right now, and I ask you to join me. The first one is, I still got a little ways to go, guys, so when I said I'm closing, don't take my word for it. Prayer one. <laughs> we were 24 minutes into my message, and our team started to get up, and I thought, they actually believe. Anyway, here's my first prayer. God, help us raise up Samuel kids. I have a portion. I, I wrote this to my son, Devin, and his wife, Shelby, a couple of days ago when I was putting this message together about Samuel. And I, I wrote them and I said, listen, um, I'm going to mention Samuel in about a prayer. I can't help but think about Graham. Samuel's mom kept making him a new priestly robe that continued to fit him as his body grew. His ear for God continued to get tuned his whole life long. And I wrote and I said, I have a point in my message that is a prayer request for our church. Help us raise up Samuel kids. And I said, I get excited and tear up at the same time because Graham is so tender. 
I look at the world and I think, man. As a little boy, God started whispering to Samuel, and he didn't know it was the Lord. And he went to the priest Eli, and Eli finally said, the next time when he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then, I want this. And Samuel grew, and Graham grew, and Juju grew, and Emmy grew, and your kids grew, and the Lord was with them, and let none of his words fail all the days of their life. Eli said, go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you, that you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and he let none of his words fail. Pray for us. Pray that God raises up Samuel, kids. In the second prayer, God give us hearing leaders who do what you tell them to do. When, when the Lord reached out to Samuel, he was a very little boy. One of the pictures I treasure is uh, the first week we shut down church back in March and did live stream, and my nephew Tyler sent a picture of his son Zeke on his knees during the live stream when I asked everybody to pray. And Zeke, a Samuel age, I have this picture of Zeke on his knees like this. When Samuel was a little boy, the Bible says the word of the Lord was rare. Why? The priesthood and the spiritual leaders of that day were compromised in their souls. They had other altars that they were devoted to in their souls, hidden from the eyes of the church. And they couldn't hear God. If a person can no longer hear, they made the first move away from God. Lord, don't allow us to slowly slip away to where your voice becomes the unknown voice. Don't ever think that we're too strong and too close that that couldn't happen to us. The other night I wrote this on Facebook. It was, I think it was Friday night. And this is just part of it. This is in the context of hearing leaders and I wrote this, I'll just read it to you. It will require wisdom and power that no human being or agency can produce for us or for me to shake me free from the siren pull of the moment. For this voice of the world is like a drunken spirit that appeals to me. Yet as the Bible has shown us, there has been a people of all ages that have been able to say no to that spirit regardless of the cost and to stand in humility before the Son of Man in his power. The love for him who reigns, who is invisible to the world, can give us the eyes of faith to see this world as a phony friend 
This is the way out. This is the way through. This is the way to a victory greater than a victory in the world. This is wisdom. This is why people who shine like the stars of heaven, leading people out of darkness into righteousness, will be able to do so. This is a wisdom that only true light can bring and create a trustworthiness within us to bring wayfaring people out of the sea of maniacal, manipulative powers. I have no standing before God or you to boast that I'm that person. I need to stand naked before God and say, it's me, O Lord, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And it's you. And it's the president. And it's the former president. And it's the next president. Every preacher. We need his garment to cover our nakedness because it's blaring. And we need his wisdom because all of us have a false prophet on the inside of us. And that false prophet wants to line me up in allegiance with the deceptive spirit of the age. And I have to crush it under my feet and bow at his. I have to grab a hold of that promise and stand in humility and consider the cost. I wrote this to my dear brothers and friends who have walked this long road together. and I'm weaker than you are. But I ask you to join me. Some of my southeastern buddies that watch Recall the former days as he created moments for us to hear and feel and answer the great question, do you love me more than these? Like so many times before, that question exposes me, for I know he knows the answer. I have no follow in me except for the spark that he places there by grace. And that spark which has ruined my life for the rest of my life toward being able to partake of the world's spirit without being convicted or admitting I am lying to myself. I can only say, Lord, you know I love you, but we have work to do. Flee what is a phony and come back to the real. We are called to labor in a field that's bigger than our own beliefs, our own convictions, our own places of comfort, our own kind of people. And we have a battle to fight. If there is not salt but our salt and no light but our light, then may we wait at his gates and cry out watching at his doors for wisdom, asking him to pour his spirit on us because it is needed for such a time as now. God, give us hearing leaders who do what you tell them to do. Once again, I do really close this time. Psalm 81, listen to this. Listen to the passion of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Lord right here. Listen, guys, he says, this is God. He says, hear my people. Don't think of anyone but yourself right now. 
man, I'm in the front of the line. If you would only listen to me, if my people would only follow my ways, would you close your eyes with me right now unless you're driving and listening to this on podcast? Maybe pull off the side of the road if you're really having a moment with the Lord. I'm an old CCM fan. There's a girl, I don't even know if she still writes music. Her name was Kelly Willard. She wrote this song called Message of the King. And I was a youth pastor in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, living alone. And popped this cassette in. And it was her new one. And I, I listened to it. And it was the first song that came on. And she wrote these words as if she had listened to the heart of God. And the heart of Jesus, and it's like Jesus is saying this, just with your ears wide open and your heart wide open, and while the world's going nuts and inviting us into the party to go nuts with it, we have a moment of pause here to listen to somebody else's voice. To some of us, it's been the unknown voice, but it's Jesus. And to the church and to myself and to every man and woman of God and every friend and brother. Picture him saying this to you and me. I came into this world to save you. Before all the world was made, I knew your name. I am your savior. And oh, the love I have for you, my child. I know the world around you is in darkness. You're hated by the enemy of your soul. But I am almighty, and oh, the love I have for you, my child. Can you hear me? Will you answer? Can you hear me? Will you follow? Follow me. I've tasted all the things that come against you, my child. They fell to the ground beneath Golgotha's tree. My name is faithful. And oh, the love I have for you, my child. Can you hear me? Will you answer? Can you hear me? Will you follow? Follow me, for oh, the love I have for you, my child. Lord, create in us a brand new day and moment that we began to position ourselves to listen to you as if our life depends upon it, because it does. Amen.